It seems that the topic of free speech is everywhere in the news recently. What's the difference between free speech and hate speech? And what is the connection between hate speech and hate crimes? Of course, we shouldn't be mean or ignorant when we speak about others. We should not engage in gossip. The church is clear about that. But what happens when what you believe comes directly in opposition to the beliefs of others? Can I tell you that I disagree with you without being hateful? Of course I can. We must be able to express and explore differing ideas and ideas that make us uncomfortable. This is what is happening in Canada right now with the distribution of the film Unplanned. It's just not getting distribution. No one has said that it's because the film constitutes hate speech, but I'm sure that that's part of the thinking. When people don't like what you have to say, they would rather shut you down. Here's what I think. We should not fear ideas, and we should be able to express them neutrally and respectfully, even if they are ignorant, bigoted, biased, or hateful. The alternative is censorship, and that is not very Christian. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to another all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chen. And I'm Emily and Callen. Emily is back. I was yes. going to not yeah. let you say I'm Emily I know. Callen. You're not even going to let no, me say my uh, name. No, no, no. And then Billy and I were going to just be like, where's <laughs> yeah. Emily? Where's Emily? So it's good to have you back. We, we missed you. you. We got you We got too. tons of mail saying, where's Emily? Aww. No, no, we didn't. <laughs> um, but anyway, but if people want to write to us to ask where Emily was, <laughs> it's radio at saltandlighttv.org. There's also Facebook, Twitter, um, at saltandlighttv. I'm at Deacon Pedro GM. Emily's... At Emmy Callen. At B. Joe Chan. You can write anything you want. It's freedom. Freedom. Free speech. <laughs> Free speech. Free speech. Yeah, you can, you, as long as it's respectful and it doesn't matter if it's ignorant, <laughs> you can you can write to us hateful stuff. Yeah. We can take it. Um, anyway, so today we are back to, well, we've been doing regular shows as always. Sister Marie Paul is going to be with mm-hmm. us today. She's nice. going to be giving us the windows to the soul to a new BBC production of a timeless classic. Which is? What I'm is it? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> You're just going to have to stay tuned and A and timeless listen. classic. A BBC timeless p- Pride and Prejudice. No. <laughs> no, but BBC is doing uh, uh, a mini-series. That's all I'm going to say. It's a six-part series of a timeless classic. It's a new production. The Bible. Um, and apparently it's not the Bible. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's gospel, a timeless classic. But if you stick around uh, in about 15 minutes. Okay. Um, you'll be able to hear Sister Marie Paul giving us uh, uh, her take on this new BBC production. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, oh, I skipped the news. <laughs> Are there news today, well, Emily? you didn't really you skip technically everything. skip it yet because, you know. Well, the news is before Sister Marie Paul. Yeah. So are you, do, do we have some? We do. Yeah, we do have, have some We news? do have some news. With yeah. Emily Callan. With Emily Callan. So that's coming up in about five minutes. Some interesting news. What's happening in the Catholic world. In the Catholic world all over the world. With Emily Callan. <laughs> and then Billy has a question about. Again, about the Eucharist. About the Eucharist. Jesus. Jesus. And God. <laughs> uh, the Eucharist, Jesus, and God yeah. all together <laughs> with Billy Chan. Um, that's coming up uh, after Sister Marie Paul Curley, so like in about 20 minutes. Um, and then, so my question to both of you, uh-huh. which is your favorite Old Testament woman? Judith. Oh. Judith. Judith. Yes. That's a good one. Why? 
So I know Billy thought you said Judas. Yeah. <laughs> and I, was was about, say, I was about to say <laughs> Judas. Woman. Judas no, yeah. Woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's also not in the Old Testament. But anyway, so Judith. There's this there's this great reading that I that I read. It was a passage that's in the Liturgy of the Hours. I think it was a Thursday morning, like many years ago, that I read this. And it's a passage and, and there was something like they were it was talking about Judith Judith as being now, I want to say Judas, as being like this this very courageous woman, right? Who yes. who who faced danger yes. in order to save the people of yes, God, right? Yes, yes. So so anyway, so I I uh, I actually went back and and read that book because I was just so moved by that passage. I wish I remembered what um what what it was exactly, but I'm going to say Judith because that's the one that I'm a little bit more familiar and with I, and, and, and I, really marked I, me. I don't know. To be honest, I do not. I, I do not have a specific woman that I I I, I, I we know. We don't think of them a lot, yeah. right? You no, know, when you, you don't. Read, when you mm-hmm. read the Bible, uh, the name doesn't uh, tell me I anything see. about okay, that. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. <clears throat> oh, that's fair. Um, um, and and a lot of times people will say, oh well, you know, there are no women in the Bible, or women are not, you know. But you got I you got Judith, yeah. you got Esther, you got you know mm. Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel. I mean Leah. There's so many uh, powerful women in the Bible. Uh, Esther's my favorite one. That's a good story. I'm not gonna uh, tell you who that was. You're gonna have to look it up. But Judith, Judith drove like a stake through the guy's head yeah. and saved the the <laughs> Israelites or whatever. Um, and there are also powerful women in the Bible that aren't even named. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Ruth and Naomi. Anyway, yes. we can go. F- the reason why I'm asking is because. Um, in our second half hour, we're going to be speaking with Danielle Bean, and uh, she's the author of a uh, her new book is called "You Are Enough: What Women of the Bible Teach You About Your Mission and Worth." I just heard about this book. It's mm. a great little book, and if you stick around, you can hear Danielle Bean actually speaking about her book. Um, so, so of course, it's a book that shows. God's love for each of us through the uh-huh. stories of the women in the Old Testament and shows how their lives give us valuable lessons for our lives today. Hmm. Um, so again, if you're not uh, really familiar with I'm not. some of these stories of the Old I Testament, um, and and I would say that it's not just for women, Billy, so you can stick around and listen to Danielle Bean <laughs> talking <laughs> about <you>. that. <laughs> um, and then at the end of the program, we're going to be uh, reconnecting with uh, Sarah Kroger, singer-songwriter Sarah Kroger. She's been on this program many times, although I think last time it was like four or five years ago. Oh. Um, she's been really busy touring. I got to hang out with her in Panama for World Youth Day, um, and she has a new album. Um, and this album is is truly, I think, a Sarah Kroger album. I, I really, really like it. And so I'm very happy to be able to share it with everyone today. Uh, Sarah Kroger will be joining us at the end of the program. So why don't we start with a song? Yeah. As we always do, here's Sarah Kroger with For Us from her new album, Bloom. Oh, how deep the Father's love Written in the sun and stars here below and far above by the beauty of his heart blooming with eternal hope in this garden we call home oh how deep the father's love how deep his love
That was Sarah Kroger with For Us from her new album, Bloom. And we're going to be speaking with Sarah Kroger at the end of the program in about five minutes. Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. But first, Emily's still here with our news and we're, we're still talking about women in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good. Um, so stick around. I'm going to have to brush up my, uh, yeah. my knowledge of women in the Bible, yeah, and lot, especially in the Old Testament. Lots, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no Emily in the Old Testament, I don't think. No. No. I don't think she, there's no. an Emily anywhere in the Bible. No. Anyway, yeah. you can be the first. So, we yes, have some news. Yes, we do have some news. Uh, okay, well, we'll start with Canada. So, in the province of Quebec, there are there was a little bit of a bishop shuffle. Um, bishop shuffle. Bishop shuffle, because when one bishop resigns, you know, you have to replace him, and then sometimes he's replaced by a bishop from another diocese, so that diocese needs a new bishop. So, that's a okay. little bit what happened in in, uh, in Quebec uh, this so past week. So, a bishop retired? So, yeah, mostly retired. So, we, they usually use the word resigned, because yeah. um, they, they have to submit the, the resignation, resignation at yeah, the age right. of 75, yep. right? Anyway, so that's what happened. The bishop of Saint-Jérôme, or previous uh, bishop of Saint-Jérôme, Pierre Morissette. He he submitted his resignation. He had been bishop of that diocese for 11 years. Um, so Bishop Raymond Poisson um, is now assuming the pastoral governments of governance, sorry, of Saint Jérôme. Okay. And uh, and he had been in another diocese. Yeah. So um, and also Bishop Louis Carivo was now appointed to the diocese of Joliette. Okay. So. From because Quebec City. He's an auxiliary in Quebec City. I think Louis Cor, he's great. Yes, exactly. I really like him. Exactly. So now he's at, in Joliet. Now he's in Joliet. So that means Quebec City is missing an auxiliary bishop. So Quebec Mo- City will need a new auxiliary yes. bishop. More shuffle exactly. or more ordinations. We need more bishops. We do. Good we do. young so priests There bishops. you go. Yeah. Um, prayers. Prayers and congratulations. Congratulations. Do you say congratulations? Yeah. Yes. They get their own diocese, maybe. Yeah. Great. So, um, also, so on February 24th, for those of who might not know, there's the Feast of Our Lady Help of Christians. May 24th? May 24th. So, Friday, um, was the Feast of Our Lady Help of Christians. So, I mean, there are a lot of feasts of Mother Mary in, in the year. Um, you have a whole month in May dedicated to Our Lady, right? Yes. Um, but this is a special day because it's actually, in 2007, Benedict Sixteenth wanted May 24th to be a day of prayer, particularly for Catholics in China. So he named it the World Day of Prayer for the Church in China. Huh. And he wrote a letter to them that year um, expressing this desire and, and his prayer for, for Chinese Catholics. And the reason for that is because there's a special dedica- or a special devotion to uh, Our Lady Help of Christians in China. There's a shrine dedicated to her uh, in Shanghai. So, of course, Pope Francis this week at the general audience um, made a special mention and, and he said, may our mama of heaven help you all be witnesses of charity and fraternity, always remaining united in the communion of the universal church. So good. Special prayers go to um, our Chinese Catholics. All over the world, really. Yes. Uh, The theme for the next World Meeting of Families was also announced. Um, It's going to be held in June 2021 in Rome. Um, It is Family Love, a Vocation and a Path to Holiness. Um, It was announced in a statement released by the Dicastery for Lady, Family and Life. Mm -hmm. And this... World, this next world meeting of families is actually falling on the fifth anniversary of Amoris Laetitia, which is the apostolic exhortation of Francis after the two synods on uh, on, right, the family, on the family, right? Um, and a little fun fact: the last world meeting of families was in Ireland last summer, mm-hmm. and it had the theme, the gospel of the family, joy for the world. Yes. So, 
That is that for world the world meeting of families in 2021. Very good. Now, of course, a month ago, it has been a month since Sri Lanka mm. um, was hit by uh, suicide bombers. Mm-hmm. So, um, three churches and three hotels were attacked on Easter Sunday, April 21st. 250 people died. 500 people were injured. And one of those church one of one of the churches that was attacked um, is called Saint Anthony's shrine in Colombo. Um, and on Vatican News, um, they interviewed the rector of that church, Father Jude Raj, um, and he was just sharing with them that the faithful are still holding on and are continuing to pray and to celebrate Mass inside that shrine. So they're obviously rebuilding at the moment, um, moving forward, healing. Um, and he was saying that the whole Sri Lankan community um, is experiencing the proximity of the univer- Universal Church mm-hmm. and the Pope. Um, and, and just of the of the whole community over there as well. Everyone is really coming together regardless of right. uh, faith backgrounds and, 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 and other cultural backgrounds. So they're um, really feeling supported in this time of, of rebuilding and healing. Um, and, and actually the prefect of the Vatican uh, congregation for the evangelization of people visited the shrine on Wednesday. Oh, so, very good. Yeah. Good. Um, so prayers to our Catholics in Sri Lanka as well. Yes. One final thing, yes. if you will permit me, Pedro. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this California bill. Um, it's uh, it's known as SB 360, mm-hmm. and it's about um, the conf- the seal of confession um, and regarding. Um, hmm. Yeah, so I'm I'm just going to go through it. So right now, California, um, there's a California law that requires clergy to report suspected abuse or neglect unless the information about the abuse was uh, was obtained during confession yeah. okay so um so basically the seal of confession was protected yes. right the sanctity of confession was protected um however this new bill known as SB 360 wants to create an exemption to that law mm-hmm. and make it mandatory um for clergy to report sexual abuse right. um when a priest is hearing it in confession yeah. whether by another priest or a coworker right so the archbishop Gom- archbishop of Los Angeles mm-hmm. uh, archbishop gomez said in a statement that this is unacceptable, an unaccept, unacceptable violation of our religious freedoms that will do nothing to protect children. So the bishops are asking Catholics to continue to oppose the bill. Um, and yeah, I guess one. so, because it, it's, yeah, it's not, you know, it's moving forward. Nothing has been decided yeah. yet, but they're trying to, to change that. So. All right. I'm sure we'll hear more about that. I had not yeah. heard about it. Thank you for mm-hmm, sharing it. Welcome. Emily Callan, our Salt and Light Hour news producer. You can follow her at Emmy Callan. Hi, I'm Rita West, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. My name is Deacon Pedro. You can reach me at Deacon Pedro GM. And now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. This is... um, this is going to be a really fun program for me. Yeah, it's a series, and it's the BBC. Yes, yes. I was so thrilled when I found out the BBC was going to do a new full-length, like a six, uh-huh. over six-hour version of Les Miserables. Wow. Um, I was just so delighted, and especially because it's written by one of my favorite screenwriters for the BBC, Andrew Davies. Okay. Who... You know, he did the amazing long um, version of Pride and Prejudice. All he's right. Done, he's done actually so much. He's he's really a great writer. 
And he has this way of being really faithful to the original material, which is really cool. Um, when I first saw that Les Miserables was going to be done, I kind of thought back to the various... I'd seen three... I've seen at least three screen versions right. before the BBC version yeah. came out. And I thought, oh, you know, I wonder if this will be any good. And um, so I was looking up um, Les Miserables' like, history, and do you know it has over 30 screen adaptations? Really? Starting with silent really? versions. Like, really? <laughs> this, this story, this That's novel, all... which is a fantastic novel, uh-huh. um, about grace, the work yes. of grace, mm-hmm. in a very uh, sinful world, um, it is such a powerful story. It's been adapted over 30 times. Wow. Um, just for the screen, never mind the radio versions. And of course, we all are familiar with the Broadway musical, yeah, of which course. is one yeah, of my that's favorite adaptations. I, yeah, that's the one I've seen on Broadway and here in Toronto maybe three or four times. And of course, the musical version, which was the musical movie, the movie version of the musical, which I don't think was that great, except for Anne Hathaway. She was pretty amazing. Um, she is amazing. That, yeah. that, no, that her performance of that. Yeah, was 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 spectacular. She deserved the Academy Award. Anyway, but why do we need another version then if there's over 30? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. And this is actually the first full length, like in terms of really being able to cover the scope of the novel. Right. Um, because it's a six hour, it's an over yes. six hours miniseries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was actually produced by the BBC in 2018, but it just finished okay. broadcasting here in the U.S. for the first time okay. on Sunday. Um and of course, it's directed by Tom Shanklin. It stars Dominic West, um, and it's you know the BBC did not skimp on the budget for this. So uh-huh. in addition to the you know we've got the background, we've got the scope and the depth. We've got fantastic actors. We've got great scenery. We've got um, great camera work as uh-huh. well. Um, what they do that's a little bit different from some of the other versions that I've seen. Um, and if you know if you're a big fan of the musical. This is a great miniseries to watch because okay. although it has no music, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, apart from like yes. film score in the background, although it doesn't have the musical pieces, which do a lot to add, you know, the, the characters' thoughts and feelings, which are in the novel, mm-hmm. but which aren't, don't usually make it into a movie because, mm-hmm. you know, you, that that's what the gift of a novel is. Um, this offers you the opportunity to really go deep into the characters. So you really get a good sense of the character of Santine, um, who, mm-hmm. of course, is is the woman who, trying to be a good mother, um, leaves her child in the right. care of someone else, but falls into prostitution to be able to just yes. to try to support her child mm-hmm. and, you know, her whole tragic story. Um, Jean Valjean's portrayal, um, the portrayal by Dominic West, is fantastic okay. and really, really faithful to the whole journey towards you know, Victor Hugo talked about making this a journey from evil to good. You know, Jean Valjean is a convict. Mm-hmm. He's an ex-convict who, according to the beginning of the novel, he hasn't cried in 19 years. He's hmm. just got such a hardened heart mm-hmm. because he's been treated so unfairly by society um, and by the world. And he um, has this amazing encounter with uh, with a bishop, mm-hmm. and it starts to melt the you know all the irons that's you know, the sinfulness that has encased his soul Mm -hmm. to the point that he struggles the rest of his life to become a loving human being. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it has a lot to say to us about about what it's like to be on a journey towards holiness. Because honestly, I think Jean Valjean is the greatest fictional saint. 
Yes, yes. <laughs> if you could have, yes. If you could canonize a fictional character, I agree. Jean Valjean would be my first choice. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, yeah, and, I like you know, that. He does, it in, he does it in very dramatic ways, but also just through the normal challenges of being a father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is what, why I like it, because it's very real. It's a, it's yeah. a striving for holiness in the midst of di- very difficult circumstances, and that's our lives. That's your life and my life, you know? Like, we can relate to that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I do recommend it for teens and adults. And yep. obviously, it's got a lot of adult themes to it in terms of battle mm-hmm, and revolution mm-hmm. and yep. that whole background is well presented in the in this miniseries. But it is fantastic. So I can't recommend it enough. Okay, I think good. It's a great watch. Good. And it's out on DVD and hopefully it'll be out, uh, I, I don't know, uh, here in Canada, but presumably it'll be available uh, at some point, somewhere, somehow, but people can check out it online and find out more more how to access this film, right? Yes, absolutely. Through BBC and in the United States through PBS, there's P- different ways okay. of access. Yeah, so. there you go. Okay, there you go. Les Miserables, the BBC six-part version. Um, uh, thank you, Sister Marie Paul, for that. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Sister Marie Paul Curley is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com and also follow her at Sister M. Paul. Hi, everybody. This is Father Robert Barron of Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. God bless you all. You can listen to this program again and again and again and again as many times as you want at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. You can also download the podcast off iTunes or Google Play. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies. With Billy Chan. Yeah, okay, so... <laughs> oh, well, somebody's excited to be here. <laughs> I'm always excited. Okay, so question about you, Chris, again. Right, so again follow-up from last again. week. <laughs> yeah. Yes, okay. So, um... I had a, a you know I, I teach catechists for, yes. for for a long time. I remember there, there was a student asking me that this question and I, and I oh I, I I do not really know how to answer that. Okay. Okay. So the question is this: uh, When the priest consecrate the 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 host, the bread, yes, I also say yeah. the bread into the host. What exactly happened? It just sounds like. Magic. So you cover something on, and da da. You just asked like the most difficult question, and my answer is going to be: What happens? It's a mystery. (laughs) How's that for an answer? Um, Yeah, it it does. It can seem like magic. We believe that God is doing something, and because God is doing it, we can't see it. We do something. The priest will do something so that we can see it, Um, and that's the same thing with all the sacraments. So what happens is that with the words of the institution, so that is that is when when the the priest quote unquote says the words of the yeah. Last Supper, this is my bread, yeah. this is my my blood. That's when the the bread and the wine yeah. are consecrated, and they become the the body, blood, soul, and divinity. And when is the, the real exact presence. moment? So is it when when the priest hold up the the, the cup and the no the the moment bread. is with the words of the institution oh okay. so that whole that whole part the consecration is is from when he picks up the bread and he says uh, the night he was betrayed he took yeah that that so from that there starts? until do this in memory of me with the cup then it, it's consecrated okay so so when we kneel down basically yes but you're kneeling before and you're kneeling after yeah, as well but yeah yes yeah yeah oh. yeah when the bells ring. Okay, okay. So, 
why only the priest can do it? Because the priest... And you cannot do it. No, I cannot. <laughs> okay. So again, because there are you have ordinary ministers of certain sacraments, mm-hmm. and there are certain sacraments that can only be administered by either a bishop or a priest, like, Just, com- like confirmation. can oh, only okay. be administered by a bishop unless the bishop delegates a priest to do it. But oh. the, the ordinary minister of confirmation is the bishop. But marriage... And marriage is different. It's different. Well, the ordinary ministers of marriage are the couple. Not mm. the priest or the or anybody. It's okay. the the husband is, administers the sacrament to the wife, and mm-hmm. the wife administers to the husband. Okay, oh. a deacon is an ordinary minister of the of baptism. Uh, a bishop is the ordinary minister of ordination. A priest, and and by by then I by that I mean bishops as well. Yeah, yeah. Is the ministry the the ordinary minister of the Eucharist, because the priest and bishops. They're acting in persona Christi. So Christ is the minister of the Eucharist. Oh, okay, okay. But the priest is acting in person of Christ. In so, the person said, of Christ. so priest is a representative yes. of Jesus. Yes. And do it, right? we, we, it, it actually, there is an expression, in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. Okay. So as soon as that moment happens, the priest, and the priest is no longer using words in third person. He's not saying, you know, Jesus took his, uh-huh. as if it was Jesus did this. He becomes Jesus and says, take this. This is my body. He doesn't say this is Jesus's body. I so see. he's acting in the person of Christ. Okay. Now, you know, every time when we get the Eucharist, the host is a uh, very boring bread. I'm sorry to say that. But, yes. Yes. But there's yeah, no taste. Not, no. Tasteless. It's only always circle. Uh, uh, and... Wrong, I mean, you know. Yes. Why and and can can because is I there think, any rules? Like, yeah, there are rules. There can, are. Can we get put ses- chocolate or no, sesame or salt? No, there are no, you can't. <laughs> so there are rules. Um, there are canon law has very strict rules as to what type of bread it has to be unleavened bread. It has to be made out of wheat. Oh. And I think it has to be very basic, just wheat and and natural water and baked. So you cannot deep fry it. So you can't deep fry it. You can't boil it. It's got to be baked. Um, and I think that you you can't even add spices or anything. I think you might be able to add a little bit of salt just okay. because that's how you bake bread. Yeah. But you can't. Uh, so there are very, very strict rules. And I think that comes out of a tradition of just kind of making it uh, special. Mm-hmm. So that it's not just any old bread, any, any type of dough, anything goes. Um, and maybe being as true to what it would have been at that Last Supper, that when the Jews celebrate the Last Supper, they're actually eating mm. unleavened bread that's made out of wheat. Um, so it comes from... It comes from that tradition. That, okay, okay, that's great. There you go. That's, that's it. it. That Thank makes sense. You. Thank okay, you. Okay, there you go. Again, if uh, anybody wants to add to this conversation, you can always uh, reach us, uh, reach Billy through <laughs> Twitter at Chan. Billy Chan, our webmaster here at saltandlighttv.org. And as I said, you can follow him at B. Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, what women in the Old Testament can teach us and a featured chat with Sarah Kroger. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, I know that most of you probably don't even read the Bible, and I know this because you've told me. And for those of you who do read the Bible, you're probably not reading a lot of the Old Testament because we find it hard to connect with those stories. 
but they are timeless stories that teach us a lot about our realities today. Author Danielle Bean tells us that all these stories are relevant today. In her new book, You Are Enough, What Women of the Bible Teach You About Your Mission and Worth, she shows us how stories of women in the Bible teach us about God's love and give women valuable lessons for today. And to tell us more, I am uh, now joined by Danielle Bean. Danielle, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. So, um, how did you, I mean, is this a new thing for you as well? Did you, were you interested in reading stories of the Old Testament and and women in the Old Testament before you, uh, you know, dove into this project? I really wasn't. I mean, honestly, (laughs) like you just introduced your listenership, I was right there in that same boat. Yeah. I, I loved the New Testament, and that was where I focused. And, you know, my book prior to this one was focused on women in the New Testament. Felt great, felt very natural, it was a good fit for me. I love focusing on Jesus and yeah. the real-life women that he talked to and walked with and healed and touched. It's so inspiring yes. to me. But when Ascension approached me with the idea for this particular follow-up book, of course it seems like a no-brainer, right? You did right. in the New Testament, time for the Old Testament. I was a little hesitant because... My prior experiences with attempting to read the Old Testament were were quite difficult at times, and it's hard to understand sometimes these circumstances, these people who seem so very different from ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because, I mean, you'd think that we'd feel that same way about the New Testament. I mean, they're they're just as far removed from us. (laughs) (laughs) You know? But, you know, but yeah, but I think you're right. You can relate to Mary and Elizabeth and Mary Magdalene, but you can't relate to Tamar. I mean, like, um, how did you... How did you figure out which women to focus on? Because obviously you couldn't do all of them. Right, right. So, I mean, it was sort of a combination approach where I thought about some of the messages that I believe women in today's modern world need to hear about God's unique love for them, God's personal love for them, God's unchanging, timeless love for each of us individually, personally, uniquely. And I think that women nowadays need to be reminded of that more than ever. So the title of the book is You Are Enough, and I felt like that was a message that so many women, I work with women through my work, through Mm -hmm. my ministry every day, and I feel like that's a message that so many women are hungry for, right. they need to hear that truth about God's abiding love for them, and that they are enough, that God made them good, because there's so much in our culture that tells them the opposite of that. Right. And you could listen to those messages yes. and go down that, that path and wind up in a terrible place. So I really wanted to be able to give women that message. Then I read through some of these stories of women in the Old Testament with those eyes, looking for women whose struggles could mirror our own today. Mm-hmm. I was surprised by how many I did find. There were so many I couldn't put them all in the book. Right. Um, that, that women's struggles haven't changed. Our stories are the same. So some of those circumstances, yeah, it's weird. There's all kinds of interesting and yes. you know crazy to our modern, um, our modern perspectives, things that go on in the Old Testament, but at its heart, at its root, these women are women like women today. We struggle with the same things. We struggle to trust we struggle to know God loves us. We struggle to be obedient. We, mm-hmm. we struggle to know our worth. And that's very much, um, you know, what I had in mind as I was picking through these stories with various themes and right. uh, wanting to remind women today of their unique gifts and strengths. Right. So so in a way, the the way that you stru- decided to structure the book is, is important. So you picked not just characters, but themes, 
what is what is one theme? Right. Tell us a little bit about how you structure each chapter because it's almost I mean it's almost it's almost can be used as a study guide, almost can be used as 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 personal reflection. Um, wh- why did right. you want to write write structure the book the way you did? Yeah, well, I was keeping in mind those themes, those things that I, I feel like are important mm-hmm. messages for women to hear, and then just pulling out those characters. And, um, you know, and you're right, it is, it is set up so that it could very well be a study. I've heard from women who've gotten together, not in any formal way, but just with girlfriends on a regular basis to right. talk about a chapter a week. Yeah. There is a companion um, journal okay. that is available if people email me. If you email me, danielle at daniellebean.com, I will get you a copy of that okay. journal. It was like a freebie giveaway that we did to promote pre-orders early on. But now we just have it, so I'd love for people to have that resource if okay. you're together with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a whole retreat that's based around the themes in okay. the book. So very much interested in bringing women together to talk about these things, talk about these things that we have in common, these struggles that we have in common, but then also to just celebrate the ways in which we're different, our unique perspectives. Right. And you end each chapter with a prayer from, written by a, a woman saint, which I think is right. totally cool. Yeah, and I think that's such a rich part of our church's history, our yes. the communion of saints. So many women have gone before us, and mm-hmm. um, they have, we have so much to learn from their stories. And I love being able to include some of their words of prayer at the end of each chapter, kind of along with the themes of the chapter. Yeah. Wh- which is your um, favorite one? Oh, I, <laughs> I can't pick this one. But you know what, who I was most surprised by yeah. was my reading, my new eyes reading of the story of Bathsheba with King Okay, David, yes. That... I was so moved by the fact that I had never previously realized just how sexist I was in my previous readings of that story. Interesting. Because I think, like many people, I approached that story, read it, you know, she, King David lusted after her, and, you know, it's this salacious story that we read, right? Right. And he watched her bathing and all of this, and I think we tend to think that she's a seductress of some yeah. kind. Well, there's, no, there's nothing in Scripture that tells us that. Mm. We don't hear her perspective. This woman who is happily married to another man, yeah. a good and honest and loyal man, by the way, mm-hmm. um, who was called to by King David and used in this way and then sent away afterwards, right. and then mistreated in different ways as when she had the audacity to turn up pregnant. You know, it's a classic Me Too story yes. that took place so long ago. Yes. And so I think that that's something that many women in modern world can understand that perspective, can understand that feeling that we didn't hear what Bathsheba's consent was, whether or not she was a willing participant in this, no. it's very unlikely that she was, and that God saw her in that. God saw her in her pain. Yeah, that's a great example, actually, and you've just made the connection between a story that happened so long ago and something that's so relevant today. I mean, the the Me Too movement, I mean, it's so, mm-hmm. in a way, sad that it seems that it's always been that <laughs> it's always been that right. way that problem has always existed between men and women and and male dominance and women being victimized um right. I, I was reading it thinking that it felt like it was very much written for not just women but for younger women is that the case or, um, or would you even say that it's also a book that's for men Oh, for sure. You know, I think we have an awful lot to learn from reading about other people, others' perspectives, both male and female. Yeah. Um, but for sure, I did have young women in mind because I'm a mom of daughters. I've yeah. got young daughters, and um, that's very much on my mind. What is the message that these young girls need to hear today about their worth in the eyes of God? Right. And it's very much been my goal as their mom to raise them with a sense of who they are, mm-hmm. their unique their unique dignity and inherent worth that they have as daughters of God, because 
having the privilege of having been raised that way myself, I know what a defense it can be against the lies that the world will tell us about who we are, the ways in which others might try to use us, the ways in which the world might disrespect us. Mm-hmm. That if you have that core identity in place, truly a powerful thing, and it makes a woman a powerful creature to accomplish great things, a great force for the good. And that's what God's mission is for each of us. He has a unique plan for each of us, but He calls us to great things. And we can do those great things if we're, first of all, rooted, firmly grounded in our identity as daughters of God and the worth that comes with that. Right. Um, and and I was just going to, we're almost running out of time, but I, I wanted to add that you also made it really personal to you. So these struggles are not just generic struggles that women have, but these are struggles that Danielle Bean has even had um, at various stages in your life. And I really appreciate it. In fact, that was the, for me, in a way, the best part of each chapter that you started with a personal story of something that was very real t- to me because it was real to you. And then yeah. you, you, you made the connection with, with these exemplary women in the old Testament, that there's a reason why these stories are told in the Bible. They're not random, but they're true. Exactly. There, God has a plan, and there's a, a unique message for each of us inside of Scripture, and a message for all women in a general sense, but for each of us uniquely. So I really, if someone is hesitant to read the Old Testament, this book is a great kind of It is a good starter, companion, a good yeah. place to begin. Actually, that's a good, good point. Yeah, so get this book, and then grab your Bible, and read both of them together. Um, Danielle, we're going to leave it there, but thank you so much for writing the book. I know it's not, it's not your first book, and I know it's not going to be your last, so um, uh, keep doing <laughs> what you're doing and and your ministry to women in general is is uh, wonderful so thank you for that thank you so much for having me god bless you Danielle Bean is the brand manager for CatholicMom.com. She's the former publisher and editor-in-chief of the Catholic Digest. She's also the creator and host of The Gist, a weekly Catholic women's television talk show airing on Catholic TV and also on Salt and Light TV. She is also the creator and host of the Popular Girlfriends podcast. She's everywhere. Danielle Bean is the author of several books. Her latest, You Are Enough, What Women of the Bible Teach You About Your Mission and Worth, is published by Ascension. And you can... uh, Contact Danielle at her website, daniellebean.com. And uh, for a copy of that journal that she mentioned, you can email her, danielle at daniellebean.com. We're going to put all that information on our site, saltandlighttv.org slash radio, so you can find it easily. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Sarah Kroger with When I See You from her new album, Bloom. You have loved me well In a million ways But my wounds are all I know So I turn my head And I hide my face Too afraid to come back
That was Sarah Kroger with When I See You from her new album, Bloom. Last we spoke with Sarah Kroger was in March 2014. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago. She had just released a new album, Hallelujah is Our Song. Since Sarah Kroger first came into the scene eight years ago, she has been busy traveling and leading worship all over, including most recently, I saw her at World Youth Day in Panama. We got to hang out together there for a bit. And Sarah now has a new album, which we've been listening to. It's called Bloom. And so it's a great excuse to have her back on the show. Sarah, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be back. It I can't is. believe it's been so long. I know, I know. I, I, I That <laughs> always thing. happens. I think, oh yeah, she was just in the show like two years ago. I thought maybe two years ago. But five yeah. years ago. Yeah, but that was... That was Hallelujah is our song. That was the album. Like, right? You haven't. Yep. I guess you've been busy doing other things that I want to ask you about. <laughs> one one of which is marriage. Yep. Yep. That is one of the things <laughs> that has taken up my time. You don't sound so excited. Years. A little more excitement <laughs> about the married life. Oh, yeah. Well, so we got married three and a half years ago now. Yes. And um, it's just been the greatest. It, it honestly has. It's been. I tell people it's been the greatest and the hardest gift I've ever received, um, but in the best way possible. Yeah. It's been the biggest blessing. So That's good. I, that's a good description of marriage, greatest and hardest, because it's not meant yeah. to be easy. That's okay. We don't want easy. We want hard. No. Yes. Make us work for it. No. It's It's good. It's good. And you wrote a song for your wedding, didn't you? I did. I wrote a song for my <laughs> husband uh, to surprise him on our wedding day. He had always said... Right. that he wanted Sarah Kroger to sing at his wedding. And uh, <laughs> and so I I told him if I could ever take a day off, it was going to be my wedding day. So I did, but I also wanted to obviously make his dreams come true. So nice. I wrote him a song and surprised it for him at our wedding now, called that, I Choose You. I Choose You. Is that song in the album or no? No, it's not. Um, a, I released it as a single maybe a about single. a year before yep. I released Bloom, a year and a half. Nice. So, yeah, it's a single. Good. So you've been busy. I know you were in Panama, but you were literally like, I, I think you were only there for like a day. I don't know. You came I know. In, I don't know how I did it. I don't know how you did it either. <laughs> but at least I got to see you, so that's all that matters. Um, yeah. So you've been that busy. Was so good. Yeah, it was. It was excellent. Um, in fact, I had Ivan Diaz was on the show last week or two weeks ago. Oh, that's so, so great. That was so fun. Um, He's amazing. He is. Um, so you've been busy touring mostly, doing some. Yeah. Um, well, so in the last five years, I would say the because re- so, so some people ask me that question, like, why five years? Why did yeah. it take so long to release a new album? And I, I usually say, you know, life was just happening. We moved about three different times right. um, to Atlanta, from Atlanta to Nashville. We got married. We got engaged also, obviously, before getting married. So yes. it was just like planning a wedding and all this kind of That's stuff a lot of work. happening yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just kind of distracted me. And plus, I was, I at that time, I was also going from being a nanny and being part-time on the road to being full-time on the road. So it was just like right. a lot of other things that I was focusing on, but I was writing the whole time and right. um, just kind of waiting for the right time. My past two albums, I the way that it worked is I went to Nashville, wrote for a week, and then those are the songs that just ended up on the album. Yes. For this album, it was kind of like a journey to figure out what okay. God really wanted to see good, good, through cause, me. Yeah, because I was gonna, I was going to yeah. ask you about that. Did you set, I mean, five years ago, were you thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to work on a new album, or were you just writing yeah. constantly, thinking that eventually yeah. you'll have, I mean, there's, way more tracks on this album than your previous two. Yeah, I've never done a full length. So yeah. um, before this project, I mean, yeah, five years ago, I was like, all right, 
time to do another another album but it just <laughs> it just didn't come to fruition until this year honestly and I'm really grateful for that because it was just a slow process I was able to yeah really decide what songs I really wanted on the album and mm-hmm. I, I don't have really any throwaway songs for me personally like Good. there's no songs on the album that I'm just kind of like eh, I'm okay with that we need a track seven so let's just put that on right. there I'm really right happy with all of them and proud of them and, yeah um, did that it was a special process yeah did that process did that change your writing style or your writing process mm-hmm. or were you, were you was it better maybe yeah, I would say for the better yeah it yeah. brought a lot more freedom um, uh-huh. and my writing process for this album was different than my others because for my other two projects I just wrote with the same writers the whole time so it was right. Sarah Hart and Josh Blakesley who yeah. are both incredible mm-hmm. artists mm-hmm. but this was the first album that I wrote with outside of my like regular circle of people so mm-hmm. I was writing with people that I had never met before and writing with people that you know, don't even necessarily do Christian music, but they um, are Christians themselves. And it, so I was able to bring in a lot of other outside influences yeah. to this, these songs in a way. And I, that's changed me forever. I mean, I'm, I, I'm yeah. not, yeah. I think you, yeah, I, I think you can hear that in the music. Mm. There's, there's a little, I don't know if I can say this, but there's a little more Sarah Kroger in this album. Is that fair to say? Thank you. Wow. That's a compliment. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel that way too. Good, good. Why, why Bloom? Why that title? Mm, that's a good question. So it came to me on a flight one day. <laughs> I was praying about the album. I hadn't even finished all Spending a lot of time in airplanes, had, yeah. Yeah, I had like maybe five songs done. Um, and I was praying about, you know, kind of the theme behind the album. And um, Bloom just came to me in a kind of in a lightning bolt uh, oh. way. And I talked to my husband about it, and he was like, you know, it's really interesting because I just read this quote the other day that um, made me think of you, and it was, uh, flowers don't compare themselves to other flowers, they just bloom. So this idea of just blooming, just being who God made you to be and being uh, that fully in the world, I think that's something that a lot of us struggle with. I know that I struggle with that. I know that I've been on a journey of trying to just uh, love myself and live out of my belovedness, and so that's what a lot of these songs are about, just living in the freedom of who you are in God and blooming. So that's what inspired it. Do you feel that that's sort of where you are in, in your life in terms of, <laughs> I mean, I guess you've bloomed already. You're not done blooming. <laughs> Maybe no, none of us have. No, no, I do. I feel like, um, so a couple of years ago, I read this book by Henry Nowen called yes. Life of the Beloved. Beautiful. Um, yes. It's such a good book. It's It's small, but it packs a punch and, the basic idea behind it is that we're every day, but we're bombarded by these voices, whether it's the voices of society or negativity or lies that we believed and mm-hmm. um, voices telling us who we are, what we have to accomplish something in order to be enough. Um, but really what our goal should be is to every day listen to the still small voice that at the center of our being calls us the beloved. And what mm-hmm. would it look like if we lived out of that truth every day? And I, when I read that book, I kind of realized that I was not doing that at all, that I had been living out of lies for years and uh, and hadn't allowed myself to live in freedom, really. And so that kind of set me on a journey hmm. of trying to uh, discover my belovedness and who I am in God and live out of that with boldness. Because um, the thing is, when you live uh, not out of your belovedness, when you live kind of by, behind a mask, it can be really easy to for people to maybe tear you down or judge you or something because they're not judging you, you know, yeah. <laughs> like you're yes. hiding beside, behind something. You're 
self-protecting yourself. And when you live out of yourself and who you, who God made you to be, it's much easier to be um, kind of torn down. Um, yeah. You're you're much more vulnerable with the world, and so that's not an easy thing to do. But no. I'm learning how to do it day by day. No, all of us are learning. And Henry now, and I'm glad you mentioned him. He's so. I mean, I don't know anybody who's read Henry now and that hasn't totally like transformed them. And it's such a simple, yeah. it's such a simple yet profound idea. So simple, but yeah. very profound. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that, I mean, I presume that you're always, there's always spiritual reading, prayer, I presume, and that's always feeding into your, your writing. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I had a, I've had several really incredible songwriters kind of mentor me along the way and uh, a common theme throughout all of their advice to me has been spiritual reading, but not yep. only that, like allowing yourself the space to just be in the world and observe. I heard um, someone the other day that say that songwriting is really just being a good listener yeah, <laughs> um, and being a good observer in the world. Um, so yes. I've been trying to really do that, just observe my surroundings, observe the situations and the um, the things that I find myself doing and, mm-hmm. and the kind of people that I find myself around. and But also spiritual reading is so inspirational yeah. um, and has really helped me to kind of find the words for language that I didn't really right. have before, honestly. Yeah. Of so, course. Yeah. Of course. And I presume you're already writing some more for maybe the <laughs> yeah. next album. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah, isn't that weird how that works? You finish one album and then you start Well, it's because it's an ongoing thing, you know. I don't know, but are you thinking I'm going to do another album or are you just constantly writing because you're constantly listening, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm I am constantly writing and um I don't I don't I don't know what's next, honestly. I hopefully some singles this year. That's our goal. Okay, I'm good. I'm working with a new record company right now, so that's exciting and um, we're dreaming big and uh, have some exciting things in store, but I have no idea what's next. Honestly, I'm I'm just writing. Like That's you okay. Said, and, That's good. Day by day. And, uh, gonna take it by day by day. Yeah. Day by day, and and when it's t- the right time, it'll be the right time, and you'll let us know, and we'll get exactly. you back on the show. Of right? course. Looking forward so to. You'll m- be my first call. I hope so, so we can have <laughs> more Sarah Kroger in the music. Very good. It was so yeah. good. Thank you for. Uh, making a little space for us today and uh, uh, always loving the music and uh, and yeah it was good to see you in Panama and maybe we'll see each other again soon hopefully All right. so much take care you too you can learn more about Sarah Kroger at her website sarahkroger.com that's where you can book her for your event or you can buy th- any of her music but the new album is called Bloom that's sarahkroger.com here now is Sarah Kroger with Highest from her new album Bloom Wanna see a new solid rising me Come awake my bones with a melody When I cannot walk me carry me Oh and me lead me home in my wandering Wanna sing a new song let it rise to you May the notes ring We're listening to Sarah Kroger with Highest from her new album, Bloom, and that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that if you tuned in late, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where you can learn all about our featured artists and guests. And remember that you can subscribe for the Salt and Light Hour podcast on iTunes and also now on Google 
play. Make sure you log in and write us a nice review. And if you want to reach us, I'm at Deacon Pedro GM and Billy is at B. Joe Chan. And I'm at Emmy Callen. Thank you for being with us. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Emily Callen. And this has been the, the Salt and Light, Light Hour. Hour.